So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. We have the latest Saskatchewan crop report. It's out showing Saskatchewan farmers made substantial seeding progress this past week. Farm Credit Canada's chief agricultural economist remains optimistic about farm income this year, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Real Agriculture looks at the used machinery market. Control of flea beetles is discussed in the latest issue of Canola Watch. And the president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association discusses the importance of food during a pandemic. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. And Canadian Hail Agencies, providing you hail insurance for 25 years. Contact your broker today to see why Canadian hail adjusters are voted the best in the industry. Farmers across Saskatchewan made significant seeding progress during the past week. Provincial Crops Extension Specialist Sarah Tetland says seeding has reached 80%, up from 51% last week. Farmers were able to make quite a bit of seeding progress this week. In general, the weather was doing was doing pretty good. So currently 80% of the crop is seeded in Saskatchewan. This is right on track with a five-year average for this time of year, which is 78%. What's the seeding progress by region? So the southwest is the farthest along seeding. They currently have 92% of the crop seeded. There's 84% seeded in the southeast, 80% seeded in the west central, 75% seeded in the northwest, 73% seeded in the northeast, and 69% seeded in the east central. Was there much rainfall this week? Yeah, so there was rainfall throughout the province. For sure, the western regions received more rainfall. So the heaviest rainfall was in the Kando area, and they received 100 millimeters. What type of impact has this strong winds had on fields? Yeah, so it has continued to be windy throughout many regions of the province. This has dried out topsoil moisture conditions in some areas, especially areas that didn't receive rain. And there's also been reports of damage for uh, little seedlings that are just emerging. So the wind has kind of damaged them too. Do you expect farmers will have to reseed? Currently, like just reports from farmers, they haven't indicated that they plan on reseeding. A lot of the plants are quite small, but they're expecting that the damage is minimal and they'll be able to bounce back. What's the topsoil moisture rating? So the topsoil moisture rating has kind of maintained similar to last week. Cropland topsoil moisture is rated as 3% surplus, 78% adequate, 17% short, and 2% very short. The hay and pasture land topsoil moisture is rated as 3% surplus, 71% adequate, 23% short, and 3% very short. How good is crop emergence so far this spring? Most of the crops are emerging kind of on track with their normal development stages for this time of year. 
As I mentioned before, the strong winds have dried up the topsoil moisture. So uh, smaller seeded crops that are seeded a little shallower, such as oil seeds like canola, there has been some delayed emergence because of the dry conditions. But for the most part, most of the other crops are kind of on track for their normal development. Have farmers been doing much spraying yet? There has been some spraying, especially areas that maybe it was too windy to spray before seeding. They're waiting now with their crops being emerging. They're doing some post-emergence applications of herbicides. Some areas with the strong winds, it still is quite windy, which is delaying them. But farmers are getting out there and spraying when they can. What were the main causes of crop damage this past week? So there wasn't a lot of crop damage reported this week, but most of the crop damage that was reported was due to strong winds, light frosts in some area, limited moisture, and also flea beetles in canola. Where's the flea beetle damage? Well, it's more, it's kind of spread out throughout the province, but in areas where the canola is starting to emerge, so in the more southern regions, they're seeing some damage, and in the central regions as well. People are just kind of keeping their eyes out. They have seen flea beetles and there is some damage, but so far the damage has been fairly minimal. Sarah Tetland compiles the weekly crop report for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Crop production challenges and lower grain prices led to a decline in Saskatchewan realized net farm income last year. FCC Chief Agricultural Economist J.P. Gervais says stats can numbers show net farm income in this province dropped $311 million or 16% last year. Well, for 2019, I believe the story national, nationwide is the difference between crops and livestock. And obviously with the mix of ag production in Saskatchewan, some of the weakness that we've seen for crops. And if you look at, uh, um, you know, overall at the national level, wheat's down 4.7%, uh, canola's down 7.4%. Um, so we had a number of production challenges as well in 2019. Some of the challenges that we had in 2018 being as so felt in 2019. So overall, I'm not surprised to see that Saskatchewan's down uh, this year, I believe 1.1% for crops. And so uh, I think that speaks to some of the um, weakness in, uh, in the pricing of commodities, as well as some of the production challenges that are encountered in 2019. The livestock seems to be quite different from the crops. What are the factors there that caused the change? Well, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, I mean, we have strong demand globally, right? So we keep on increasing production. When I say we, I look at the North American numbers and coming out of the U.S. and going into prior to the COVID-19 crisis, we had, um, you know, we were going full speed in terms of production, ramping up production on both sides of the border. And now uh, the, the, the crisis hit. But prior to that, we had very strong demand. So we had high volumes as well as a shortage of protein demand, you know, especially because of the African swine fever in China. We kind of forget this, but uh, China was going into the crisis with a definite significant shortage of, of protein when you look at their supply and demand balance. And so all of that combined together um, did cause uh, quite a bit of a, an increase in demand for the proteins that we sell, both you know, in the foreign markets as well as a very strong demand domestically. Uh, that's one of the things that we learned at the outset of the crisis is the importance of the food service sector. But beyond, before that, uh, we had a really good year when it comes to the strength and demand for animal proteins. And so I think that's reflected in the data that we have, that we got uh, yesterday from Statistics Canada. For 2020, you've got the first quarter results. What are your thoughts on first quarter? What happened there and what's the outlook for the second quarter? 
Well, I believe on the first quarter, it's really about crops. We've seen, you know, we started the year really high for wheat. Uh, we've seen a number of, you know, little, you know looking at uh, corn and soybeans, and, and we've seen some of the declines of these commodities. Canola is actually one of the commodities that held up pretty good. I mean, there's been a little bit of variability in the, in the day-to-day prices, but overall, on average, for the first quarter, canola prices held up quite well compared to other commodities. And so um, we have a little bit of weakness, you know, into the first quarter when it comes to crops. That's mostly related to some of the weakness in prices that where we started the year, where we ended the quarter. But I do think that going forward, the demand is going to remain strong. And I think that should help from a revenue standpoint. The story is a bit different, flipped a little bit, I guess, even in the sense that, you know, if you look at livestock, I think some of the issues when it comes to income are really going to be felt in that second quarter. Now we're starting to reopen the economy on both sides of the border as well, you know, in the U.S. and in Canada. And I, that pace at which we're going to be able to reopen those economies is going to say a lot about the demand going forward. I mean, we still have a very strong international global demand for the proteins that we, we grow. It is, you know, going to be interesting to see as well, you know, what kind of reopening we have in the food service as well as what kind of domestic demand we have going for the rest of 2020. So in that sense, we expect a little bit of a weaker second quarter for livestock and a rebound you know, towards the end of the year. J.P. Gervais is the Chief Agricultural Economist for Regina-based Farm Credit Canada. This is your Real Agriculture Update brought to you by the Mind Your Farm Business podcast. Stay on top of farm management issues year-round at mindyourfarmbusiness.com. This is Sean Haney with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. Today we're talking to Machinery Pete on the strength of the used machinery market. AEM, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, you know, the, the year-to-date numbers in Canada for the sale of new equipment is is quite it's it's not good. It, it's weak uh, compared to 2019, especially in four-wheel drives and self-propelled combines. The U.S. is a little bit more stable. Uh, what's going on in the used market? Because I perceive that values are pretty strong. Yeah, it's. It's uh, been amazing. I've been doing this a little over 30 years now, <clears throat> tracking the used market auction prices all over North America. And since October of 19, actually, as tough as the fall was, um, yeah, I mean, if if the piece of used equipment is in good condition, um, almost across the board, depending on you know what it is, it, it's been holding its value really well. <clears throat> and it's it shocks a lot of people. Um, but I think if you... As hard as it is, if you try to pull back, then the, the underlying forces do make sense. Like you say, there there's a little bit more struggle on the sales of new equipment. Um, and that's as the COVID thing started to take hold in March, started to see that have a little effect there. But uh, again, the what's underneath it is the cost of new equipment is so gosh darn high. Um, and we understand why that is, but um, it makes you know, a, a really nice three or five or 10 or 15 year old tractor combine sprayer, a very good option. And uh, it's been very competitive bidding even through, actually, as amazing as this sounds, it actually got a little stronger in March and April, which was, was fascinating to watch day by day. Wow. So and basically people taking the option of, you know what, I'm going to buy a solid piece of machinery that somebody else has already owned. And, you know, yep. the big whack of depreciation is already out of that machine. Exactly. It's it, coming into last fall. We we sort of identified two hot spots in the used market, and if you just it would apply to both tractors and combines, in particular sprayers also. But one is the one to three year old stuff that was still under warranty. We had begun to see when the, those items would show up at auction. So 
uh, a little anecdotal way of, of verifying it is in since December, again, I've been doing this 30 plus years, but since December, we've seen the highest auction price ever on a tractor, a combine, a planter, the two highest ever on planters, and the second highest ever on a sprayer. Mm. Now, it's all relative, again, of course, because again, the price of new just keeps going up four plus percent every year. But $1 are tight. And I mean, if the same acres are getting farmed, and equipment wise, the one thing that the last two falls and last spring showed us is that when I got to go, I got to go. So equipment wise, you need reliability. And if you're not doing a deal every two years on the new side or whatever, well, then you either want that good stuff under warranty or the other hot spot had been the kind of that 9, 10, 11 year old stuff pre def, pre tier four. That was in really good condition with low hours. Yeah. And one of the one of the weird things is, even though we've seen the number of auctions been up for quite a few years now, um, a lot of the guys, a lot of these sales are still retirement sales, and a lot of these farmers tend to have exactly what everybody wants that eight, ten, twelve year old stuff with low hours, because a lot of that was bought at the tail end of back in the good times. You know, 11, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, early 13. And farmers are smart. They, I think as things started to change, they were already iron heavy to begin with. A lot of it bought for tax purposes. Did, okay, so these guys kept hours off their tractor combine. Now they sell them and it's what everybody wants. Prices are up. Now, we, we had this trend of auctions moving to more digital format. COVID-19 really pushed us over the cliff there. How have auction companies been dealing with this, and are they being successful with the digital auctions? It's been unbelievable to watch on, just unbelievable. President Trump here went on TV, cut off, traveled to Europe, and it's like, oh, man, the state started clamping down. And, you know, I have to realize, you know, March, the two Saturdays around St. Paddy's Day, those are the two business, busiest machinery auction days of the year, pre-planting here in the, especially the Midwest, and then April up in Canada, you know, it's prime season. So now, geez, what's going to happen? The auction industry leaned into it. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Whether you're out in the barns or working in the fields, you can stay on top of farm management issues with the Mind Your Farm Business Podcast. We talk about human resources. We can attract the right candidates, and that doesn't have to come at a high cost. We cover succession planning. It doesn't matter if the next generation is ready if the senior generation isn't. We talk about financial management. Number one, profits is your kingdom. Number two, cash is king. You can find all episodes of the Mind Your Farm Business podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or mindyourfarmbusiness.com. The official 620 CKRM Farm Weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. Get ready for seating with New Holland equipment from Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM Farm Weather Forecast, mainly sunny sky. Wind northwest 40 gusting to 60. The high today, 19, the low 6. Friday, partly cloudy, wind southeast 20, the high 21, the low 7. Saturday, sunny with a high 23, the low 9. Sunday, partly cloudy, windy, the high 25, the low 12. Monday, sunny, the high 28, the low 12. Tuesday, partly cloudy with a high of 28 and a low of 13. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high 28 degrees. 
Normal high is 21. The normal low is 7. The sun rose at 4.55 this morning. It sets at 8.57 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Maple Creek at 17 right now. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay, plus 1. Estevan is 16. Saskatoon and Swift Current, both 15. Weyburn, 17. Yorkton is 11. In Regina, with sunny skies at 16, that's 61 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the northwest at 36, gusting to 53. Humidity is 39%, the barometer rising 102.5. Sunny in Moose Jaw, 17 degrees. Winds are from the north-northwest, 37, gusting to 59. Once again, Regina, sunny in 16, that's 61 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And Sask Municipal Hail Insurance. Farmers, get your spot loss hail insurance with SMHI online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. The latest issue of Canola Watch is about flea beetle control. In new seed, seeded fields, Jay Wetter has details. For this episode, we're talking flea beetles with Jim Tansey, Provincial Entomologist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, and Keith Gobbert, Agronomy Specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. Here's Keith Gobbert. Flea beetles are the biggest potential insect pest for canola in Canada. And the reason that they rank that high is that someone, some region in Western Canada, always has a significant problem with flea beetles each spring, and we can't predict it. So until we can predict it or until we have tools that really easily manage it well, you just need to get out and scout and continue to worry about this particular insect pest. Well, we do know that flea beetles can fly from one field to another looking for food. Jim Tansey explains the typical arrival patterns and what that means for scouting. The current thinking is, is still that the, the bulk of crop invasion is going to be by hopping or walking. Uh, so it's, it's going to be damage on field edges because they're, they're going to be primarily inv invading from field edges. So look for damage there associated with the flea beetles. And they have fairly characteristic damage because they're, they're, they're going to be you know, sitting on the cotyledon and scraping away at the plant. And uh, that's going to result in these, these shot holes, which are quite distinctive. When those chewed up shot holes have removed 25% of leaf area on average across the field, that is considered the action threshold. If you get to a field site and, and you, you notice this 25% damage to, you know, cotyledons and, and, and the first true leaves, you know, A, that's the most sensitive uh, stage of the plant to this type of feeding, and B, if flea beetles are present and still feeding, it's a numbers game. So these, these animals can continue to inflict a lot of damage to these plants, and they can do it in an awful hurry. So if you're at this 25%, it's time to move. And uh, the reason being is that once you get to 50%, which can occur pretty quickly, uh, is when you're going to start seeing an economic hit. Keith explains how a good plant stand can reduce the risk. So the real goal is to have enough of a buffet well set out that a few bites can hurt you on your canola field. The ideal situation for a grower will be seed to get an adequate plant stand, rapid, vigorously growing plants with good soil moisture that can get ahead of the flea beetles. And cooperative weather. Jim explains the weather factors. Activity is dictated by temperature. Uh, so, you know, warm and dry, they really like, and uh, they're going to be very active and feeding, feeding very vigorously. Uh, of course, reduced moisture, you know, the plant stand isn't going to establish as quickly, and, and it's going to have difficulty taking up the, uh, the seed treatment as well. I mean, if the plant isn't actively growing, 
and, and pulling that moisture up, uh, you know, they, these insecticides are systemic. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, to, to get through the plant, it needs to be, uh, you know, you, you need some activity of, of, of that water. So in less ideal situations, flea beetles will hunker down and may feed on stems. This is something to watch for. The actual relationship between stem damage and yield loss is not well understood. Um, I mean, canola is a very plastic plant, so uh, a little stem damage shouldn't diminish a plant too badly, but uh, often you'll see uh, uh, seedlings completely cut off. So yeah, under, under cool or, or moist or, or windy conditions, that can be a concern. Flea beetle numbers will have peaked by mid to late May. The question then is, when can a farmer stop scouting? The adults are relatively long-lived. Uh, I mean, they're going to keep going until June and, you know, in, into mid-June in some cases. Yeah, I, I anticipate that the flea beetle pressure will continue. But canola plants could outgrow the risk before them. Once they're, you know, four to six uh, leaf stage, they're, they're pretty tolerant of foliar feeding. Uh, and you're not, you probably shouldn't see a, a yield hit with flea beetle damage. That's a wrap on this edition. For more canola agronomy tips, visit canolawatch.org. Canola Watch is a research-based agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada in cooperation with the Provincial Canola Grower Associations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by the Remax Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel DeCorby and Graham Toth online at landforsalesask.ca. Canadians need a greater appreciation of the food supply chain. That's from Bob Lowe, president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. You look at what happens down south of the border, they put agriculture as a really important thing. You look in Europe, it's probably the number one thing. Canada, because we've never had a disaster, we don't appreciate it. Um, a government is just a reflection of the people. Lowe says the public's attitude needs to change so they respect and take ownership of the food supply chain. Instead of just 2% of us knowing how important it is, there has to be 100% of us knowing how important it is. And until we get that ball shifting, we're always going to be reactionary, in, in my opinion. And so it's more than just, can we do a fix that's going to fix us into the future? The only fix is change the attitude of the of the public. Until that happens, it will be hard to spend additional money and improve current federal provincial business risk management programs. People don't understand agriculture, so whenever government comes out with a program, they try and make our problem fit their solutions, and instead of making their solutions fit our problems, and that's it's a mindset that somehow or another we've got to work at changing. Lowe made his comments yesterday during a Cattlemen's Association conference call highlighting some of the challenges facing young producers. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra's prices for canola fell 240 at 428.68. Lentils rose $16 at 638.50. Oats fell a dollar 12 at $250.44. Number one red spring wheat declined 16 cents at 218.76. The rest were all unchanged. Durham 266.39. Feed barley 193.71. 
Flax, 629.79. Yellow peas, 283.89. Feed wheat, 182.70. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, July spring wheat rose 7 cents at 5.20 and a quarter cent a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn Livestock Auctions. Call Assiniboia, 642-4180 or Weyburn, 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Now the latest livestock quotations. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of May 26. The market has come back up. D1 and D2 cows sold from 75 cents to 85 cents. D3 cows sold from 60 cents to 75 cents. Good butcher bulls sold from $1.10 to $1.24. We didn't have enough steers to establish an, a quotation, but we did have some heifers. 600 to 650 pound heifers averaged $1.66 and sold up to $1.70. 650 to 700 pound heifers averaged $1.74 and sold up to $1.78. 700 to 800 pound heifers averaged $1.62 and sold up to $1.66. And 800 to 900 pound heifers averaged $1.55 and sold up to $1.65. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 7,500 hogs Tuesday, selling a range of 162 to 194 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,300 head, selling a range of 160 to 192 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 20 to 26 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is down and forward contract prices opened higher this morning. On Tuesday, the Canadian dollar was up 93 basis points with the daily exchange rate at 1.3804. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 72.49 cents US. US cash reference prices are lower midweek with Western Corn Belt down $1.96 Iowa Southern Minnesota form at 83 cents lower, and national base down by $1.52 U.S. 100 weight. U.S. cutout pricing is showing some softness developing as production ramps up, pressuring all the formula regions. The reason for this is that the earlier hoarding has subsided somewhat. Plants are ramping up production, and meat buyers don't have to bid as aggressively as they previously did. Supply and demand chains, however, are still very much disrupted, so market watchers should expect to see some regional meat shortages in the near term at the retail level and some choppiness in values. Lean hog futures continue to see follow-through interest this morning. Yesterday, the July contract briefly touched limit up levels during the session, but settled slightly lower than the daily limit at day's end. The reopening of plants in the U.S. is providing some of the support, as the pace is generally seen as being more rapid than earlier projections a few weeks ago and normalizing. Coming up, the Resource Report. Now the Resource Report. The Saskatchewan Water Security Agency has announced six water management projects at a cost of $8.3 million. These are part of the province's two-year $7.5 billion capital plan to stimulate economic recovery. The projects include $2.5 million for traveling screens to capture and remove aquatic weeds from the M1 Canal and $1.5 million to advance agricultural water management projects that deal with issues like erosion control. There's $600,000 for rural municipalities, conservation and development area authorities, and watershed associations to clear natural channels of debris and overgrowth. Another half million dollars will go to municipalities to conduct flood mapping to support long-term water control. The provincial government says Saskatchewan will soon be home to the largest helium purification operation in Canada. The new facility will be built by North American Helium near Battle Creek, about 450 kilometers southwest of Regina. 
It's expected to be in operation by July next year. Global demand for helium is expanding, and Saskatchewan is an important source of the gas, used in medical testing, nuclear power, rockets, fiber optics, and balloons. On the markets, Canada's main stock index edged higher in late morning trading, helped by gains in the materials and consumer staple sector. The TSX Composite Index was up 23 points at 15,295. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 91 points at 25,639. The Canadian dollar traded for 72.66 cents U.S. compared with 72.57 cents on Wednesday. The July crude oil contract was down five cents at 32.76 a barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1:45 this afternoon and an Agri News report at 3:45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri News report at 6:45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.